0: welcome to episode 86 of in orbit mash those buttons podcast dedicated to destiny and the destiny community wherever you are and whenever you're listening we want to thank you as always for making this show a part of your destiny experience my name is jorge and my name is david and my name is jordan and before we begin the show we want to make sure that you guys check out all the other amazing podcasts available here on the mash Shows buttons network stay tuned by checking out us out on com, and also send us questions on Twitter at inorbitpodcast or via email at inorbitpodcast at gmail.com. I'm having a tough time today reading all this stuff out. <laughs> the words. They're also, hard. also, I wanted to mention that we have a new sponsor. I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to Ripped Apparel. We'll be talking about them later on the show, but just so that you guys know, if you guys want 10% off your next order, you can go to rippedapparel.com and use coupon code INORBITPODCAST, all one word. On today's show, we're going to be talking about the Leviathan Raid, our experience with it. There's a whole bunch of other stuff, a whole bunch of controversy. Let's go ahead and talk about the latest big news, which is Faction Wars are finally coming to Destiny. It's been and rumored for a long right. time.
2: And the crowd so rejoices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: So everybody's gonna go for dead orbit anyway nah future work future work all man so the exact quote from tim williams who is a uh, senior designer over at bungie each of the factions of the tower is having a rally to collect resources for its cause they're recruiting guardians to gather supplies for their faction and destroy enemy resources they'll offer a suite of rewards to help the guardians rise up against any enemy threats as an incentive Each faction has set aside a powerful weapon to entice players to choose their side. The faction whose guardians collect the most faction packages will be declared the winner. The winning faction will offer the weapon to everyone, but all who pledge loyalty will receive it with a huge discount as repayment for their contributions to their faction's cause. And if you are in the group, as in the faction that that won that week, You get to buy the weapon for a 1,000 glimmer. If you're not in that group, you have to buy the uh, weapon with 50,000 glimmer. So you have quite the incentive to get the actual weapon. Now, this is where things get a little weird. So, if you have a character, if you have three guardians that you're running, and each of them are pledged to different factions, you've basically won. Yep. I'm hoping that we learn a little bit more on the day that it comes out, and I'm kind of hoping that um, when you pledge to a faction, it's account-based. I I don't see any hints of that in the TWAB. I haven't heard anything about that yet. They said
1: character-based in the TWAB.
0: Did they say character-based? Yeah. So I, I apologize about that. So you're basically gaming the system. If you don't have one of each character, you're doing yourself a disservice. And that's a little disappointing because I'm all about... Um, As we've mentioned on the show, originally in Destiny 1, I'm all about having consequences for your actions. It's important to be able to not feel rewarded sometimes because that's what pushes you. That's what drives you to go ahead and do specific things, knowing that, hey, if I do this, I'm not going to get
1: any reward. I feel like they, they almost did it on purpose, though. And like I agree with you on how it should be. It should be that consequence driven. I like consequences, same as you. But I almost feel like they did it on purpose that it's character based because Destiny 2 is very forgiving. It's Mm -hmm. very forgiving to the casual player, to even the hardcore player and just all around in general. And um, I think they they want you to pledge one to each so that you can get it for one thousand. I mean, obviously, if you don't have three characters, you can't pledge one to each. But Mm -hmm. I yeah, I just feel like it was intentional that they don't want to make you spend the fifty thousand. They want you to spend just the 1000 from your character who is pledged. But for all we know, there could be they didn't say it, but it could be something like you have to rank up at least once to um, be eligible for it. So you, maybe you you have to do at least some work on each of your characters, but it is still gaming the system.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I, I I don't think it's a bad thing what they're doing. Uh, Like you guys or like David just said, they're trying to make it more accessible to the casual player. Uh, there's plenty of things that require a team in this game, so I think this is their way of saying, hey, let's do something that makes everyone feel like they can get a reward out of it more easily.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. they—they they, Not to go down that road, um, they've definitely been making the game way more casual since Vanilla. Every iteration in some way, shape, or form um, has made it a little bit more friendly, casual-friendly. Um, even though they introduce weird systems at the same time. For example, in Dark Below, you had that weird um uh, way to upgrade your exotic by buying it from Zur. But if you think about it at the same time, when you complete the main storyline for the Dark Below, you get an arm piece from Eris Morn that would be a level a light level 31, which would get you um stronger to be able to do the raid. Since, since when you complete Vault of Glass, the maximum you could be was thirty. Light level thirty-one was an incentive um, to be able to survive some of those mobs in the raid. Um, became even more um, friendly in House of Wolves with the infusion system, and then even more friendly in uh, Taking King. Same thing with Rise of Iron. Same thing with the uh, Age of Triumph update. Did Especially they introduce with the Age of infusion, Triumph.
1: infusion House of Wolves? So I thought infusion wasn't until Taking King.
0: So it, the concept of infusion was introduced in, in House of Wolves with the etheric light.
1: So oh, it, right, 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 right. It, it
0: wasn't the infusion system that we know now, so I don't want there to be any misunderstanding. You're not taking a piece of armor and putting it into another piece of armor. But The concept of taking something and putting it into your piece of armor to make it stronger was introduced in House of Wolves. Yeah, you got to so, do those
1: Skolas's to get them etheric lights.
0: Oh man, I had such a system going on to get those etheric lights for Skolas. That thing was, oh, completing Skolas at level thirty-two. Oh my god, that was that was, ooh, that was tough. But anyway, um, I just, I, I really hope that the weapons are worth it. Uh, there, there's been a few weapons out there already from factions. I'm not sure if that's supposed to be happening or not. Cade's um,
2: chests. Right? Yeah. Cage Chess. Well, no. Or what drop it.
0: I've I, I don't know if it was from Cage Chess. I do know that I have the auto rifle from Future War Call, the energy weapon, mm-hmm. and it, it I love it to death. It has slow reload, but I love it to death. Um I know I've gotten the hand cannon, I believe, from Dead Orbit. It's it's a piece of garbage. The one that's I've, like
1: the old fashioned. Right. I, I I've I've I was like, give me legendary shards. I'll take yes. that. and stuff. I haven't gotten a single faction weapon. I mean, I mean, I know I've seen people reporting of getting them from cage chests. I don't know where else you get them, but I haven't gotten one. But I mean, I think the weapons and armor are awesome looking. So I'm going to grind out Future War Cult pretty dang hard. But uh, here's a little tidbit to you. Um, it seems through all the polls I've seen on Destiny Community that like, 70% of people are going to dead orbit. So if you don't want to pay for the weapon at the end of the week, you know, go dead orbit.
0: I want to know how they do that ranking too. Cause if you have all these people going to dead orbit and if it's, if it's done by population, then that's a clear disadvantage to all the other two. Right. I wonder if they do it by the percentage
1: of like who did what, which would be a more fair system. Well, I mean it would be more fair, but I, I don't I don't see why they would. I mean, if more people are gonna declare to something to help it win, then to me then that should win. I guess if more people like that faction, my only thing would be the way they it sounds from the way they mm. described it in the TWAB is that th- these three weapons are available and faction wars will probably return will return and the other two like uh factions the next time could win to get their weapons sold. But like if we don't get the weapon from like if your faction doesn't win this time we don't get to see that weapon then those weapons kind of just disappear and we don't see them i guess which is weird to me i don't know if i'm making sense but like nope i i <laughs> I, I just don't want to see these weapons which are the incentive for winning the week just disappear because a faction doesn't win especially if like Jorge says it, it's all based on population and the population of Dead Orbit is so strong that maybe every time faction rallies comes around, Dead Orbit wins. And we never get to see Future War Cult and New Monarchy's special weapons. It may just, well, this
2: is a limited time event as far as we know. I, Yeah, I think it may be just a thing that disappears, to be honest. Like, sort of like uh, Iron Banner stuff. Like, they're here. Uh, you got a selection of weapons and armor and stuff. You can uh, rank up, purchase what you want grind for more glimmer or whatever it takes to purchase that stuff while the event's happening, and then it's gone. Comes back again once a month or something with a new rotation of gear, mostly weapons probably, maybe, like, something different, uh, different perks and stuff on the gear. Uh, I don't know. It'd be cool. It's, like, it's sort of starting to feel like a, like an Iron Banner type of deal with the rewards, you know? You get, like, these special rewards, these the special gears, special weapons that only comes around, like, once a month. Um, I think that's neat. Because it gives you something more to uh, play for once a month. You know, that's different than just like the typical grind every day.
0: I'm, I'm definitely glad that they're doing something like this with the, with the factions. Because for the most part in Destiny 1, I always thought of the factions as just another source of loot. It wasn't, I, I know a lot of people are like very gung-ho about these things. Like, oh, go Dead Orbit, go New Monarchy. They'll have tattoos on them of, of like the New Monarchy symbol. I'm like, you need to calm down. But anyway, like it, it was there was no outside of getting additional loot, there was nothing really special about them, and this makes it seem way more dynamic, more fun. I like this concept, I really do, and I to your point, T-Bot, I really do hope that they make it a like a once a month thing, not not every single week. You kind of want to make it feel special, an, an actual event where yeah. like you're you're getting together with future war cult guys. In fact, I want them to expand on this. Like, 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 let's say you have an entire fire team of new monarchy people going to to the raid, and because you have an entire fire team, you get, let's say, triple the reward, uh, triple the XP, or that'd triple the cool. reward. Damn, um, yeah, that'd, that'd be neat. That would give incentive, or, or like make people think it was like, oh, maybe I really do want to go with new monarchy this time, or dead orbit this time, because we get triple the rewards, and they have new reward even if they introduce new rewards that are variations of guns that we have right now like that's that's an incentive to to join something to to get into different groups um and the whole system kind of reminds me a little bit as i mentioned before of the mortal Kombat x system um uh, if anybody's played mortal Kombat x uh you have the faction that belongs to raiden the faction that belongs to Quan chi sub-zero scorpion i don't know what that means so Quan Chi's a sorcerer I'm not going to get into details but for people who played Mortal Kombat X um, they know and for people who don't know about this I would recommend uh, doing a quick web search on the Mortal Kombat uh, faction system it's actually really neat really cool and at the end of the week they would get extra I think like an outfit or something I can't remember exactly it's been so long since I played Mortal Kombat X but yeah I think the system's cool, and I, it wouldn't surprise me if this is a beta run to see how to improve in the future. Because from where, where it is right now, it seems like you're gaming the system. So this is this most likely is what kind of like what they did for uh, Iron Banner at the beginning, where the first run was really a beta run. They took that, they modified it into the Iron Banner that we know now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. It kind of seems like a beta run, but I do like it as well because it's just throwing a different twist into the community we haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it gets announced, comes out on the TWAB, and uh, big YouTubers and uh, Twitch streamers are going back at each other about their respective... Which uh, is hilarious. Yeah, their respective factions, so... (laughs) I mean, it's fun. It, it adds a little bit of uh, uh, of energy to the community. And I am really ex- I really am excited to see how it plays out and really hope that it isn't just one faction, most mm-hmm. likely dead orbit, just blowing the other two out of the water because of um, population size. And I really hope there is something in game to show us how many people have declared to each and the progress of each so we can track it throughout the week.
0: Yeah, last thing I, I want to mention before we move on to the next topic, why do they make Arak Jalal look absolutely disgusting and, and like grimy and emo? Like, he, he never was the most <laughs> pleasant person in Destiny 1 to look at, but at least he looked okay. And in this one, he's just like, you know, has has, has hands <laughs> into like folding into each other. And he's like, he has really dark bags underneath his eyes. And now his hair is more unkempt. And they, they went full on emo with him. Like, <laughs>
2: my dude sort of looks like dave navarro
0: right yes <laughs> yeah the, 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 it looks like J- rock jalal just a little bit unkempt
1: anyway He's had a hard time dealing with the transition from tower to tower
0: right like if you guys don't hurry up and figure out what tower you want anyway moving on to the next topic let's go ahead and talk about this week's nightfall and the n- nightfall concept in in general nightfall's at the I... beginning, Destiny, they were they were uh, very rewarding, they were cool. Um, and then they started becoming less and less useful. And as time progressed,
1: they were they, they were irrelevant. Just say they it became, like this.
0: They became irrelevant the second taken king came came by after the first few weeks. And the reason for that is the second you get three of coins and, and taken king, <laughs> the need for a nightfall kind of went down the wayside. And as it is right now, we're kind of approaching that a little bit. And what I mean by that is this. There's so many sources now for powerful gear that why would I spend time to do a nightfall strike that's not that interesting? Case in point this week, Exodus Black. Uh, I think we're unanimous in that it's not our favorite
1: strike. It's not the most fun. It's not well built. It's really not. The boss is frustrating, especially when you add in, sorry to cut you off, when you add in this whole timer system, but the boss decides he's going to disappear for a minute at a time. It's just stupid. Yeah, he disappears. I I did it several times. He disappears for
2: a while sometimes. It's super frustrating. Like, like, he, he, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. What did they think when they were testing this? Did they really think this is a good idea? Like, I don't I I think the boss fights interesting but yeah it's it's frustrating like the difficulties there but it's not like a fun difficult I don't well, yeah, I just I just get pissed off cuz he just I think he disappeared for like a solid 30 seconds on one of the runs I did. I was like
1: where is he? We killed everything. Yeah, I know it's <laughs> it's interesting because of the dynamics But once it's timed and you have a boss that's going to disappear for random amounts of times and no way to add more time to your timer with the modifier of this week, it just makes the whole experience silly. Because if you can't melt him down in the 10 seconds, you have to shoot him because if you shoot him for 10 seconds or less, he decides he's going to disappear again. Yep then there's no way for you t- to actually do the nightfall. I think when uh, me and Jordan did one the other day and we got to the final room with like 11 minutes on our timer and finished it with a minute left yeah. simply because we'd start to damage the boss, he'd disappear and we can never yep. do enough damage in the 10 seconds we had to damage the yeah. boss you'd be to lo- actually kill him.
2: Yeah, you'd be looking for him on the ceilings and walls because I think that's where he teleports to and he sort of disappears in his puff of smoke. But uh, I couldn't find him most of the time. So, like, I know there was a glitch where you could shoot him and he would, like, fall down. And if you did it when he was over top, like, an opening in the floor, he would fall to his death. I, I Most of the time I couldn't even find him because, he, A, is invisible or, B, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's not really there. It was, again, frustrating. Just, that's not, that's not why we play video games to get frustrated. I like challenge, but I like fun challenge and it wasn't fun. That's all.
0: Yeah, so in addition, the the modifiers this week, um, let's go ahead and talk about it a little bit. The modifier this week is enemies will do an absurd amount of damage to you and take down your shield very, very quickly. (laughs) The only way to regain your health is to basically wait it out a a much, much longer time. No, you can... can,
1: Oh, never mind.
0: Or to get (laughs) the the restorative pools that drop from enemies that don't hit you. Apparently, that's what's going on. Um, if you kill an enemy that didn't hit you, a restorative pool will drop and then you can go quickly into it and, and get your health back. Another way around it is to use the Warlock Healing Rift, where you can stand in it and you recharge faster. It's not its not as as fast as it would be on a normal on modifier, whatever you want to call it. But it is faster than, than what it is uh, in that modifier. So... I I don't enjoy. I don't. It was quite a shock, I think, to everybody the first time that they went into the nightfall. They were like, "Okay, this seems different." They run into they they go forward and immediately get plowed by a, a drag on a on a pike. a yeah, like, stupid pikes, man. Oh,
2: man. <laughs> yeah, I saw those pikes. I tried to fly by on my spire, and I I think I uh, made it by the first one, and then there was like another one. Sort of in the dip where you go through one of the uh, pieces of rocket hole and like he just was like, boom, went boom, I was dead. I was like, what just happened? It was, yeah, that was a rude awakening to the nightfall this week.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, the other modifier, the time one, the whole shoot oracles is basically what it is shoot oracles to add time. These oracles are like hidden. <laughs> like you have to really search for them. And the first time we did it, we were never looking behind us so like we make it to like the third room and the whole time it's been like these things i think it says anomaly detected yep. it yep. were like they're somewhere but we can't find them and it wasn't until we started like turning back that we mm-hmm. would even find them the only room that it's easy to find them in is the room that's pitch black because they glow Breath. like it's it's just i i like it On one hand, I like it. I think it's cool to have to shoot oracles to add time. But on the other hand, it's obnoxious because it takes you a minute to find something that's going to add 30 seconds. Yeah. And and speaking of the strike
0: itself, the reason it's never been my favorite, um, in addition to how it plays with regards to the boss, which I can kind of forgive the boss a little bit because I, I think it's an interesting dynamic, but not fully executed. And I'll talk about that in a minute, but I, but as I mentioned before, one of the things I've always hated with regards to strikes from Destiny One is that the entire strike, save for the boss room, would be in a patrol area. And everything on the strike is in a patrol area. You you're 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 not going in anywhere new. In fact, many times when I'm on the strike, when I get to the air to one of the areas where the tank is, there'll be multiple people there fighting the same tank. So I, I think from a design perspective this strike is very lazy it uses a lot of the same stuff that's already in there i don't enjoy that and then when you get to the final boss i think that the concept was cool but the way that you went about it the boss was not fully executed i would have preferred using those shanks to make the boss appear there's so many shanks around and they have the electrical fields that if they get closer you get slowed and you get you're slowly getting electrocuted It would have been more interesting if let's say that the boss teleports somewhere and they're trying to siphon energy from a a specific source in the room. And if you destroy the shanks, like all of a sudden the boss reappears and he's going after you because he's like the whole concept of the shanks was underutilized in the boss fight. And it seemed like it was just more of a obstacle. You jump over, obviously you shoot, shoot it, but in, in that sense. So I think the, the boss was lazy like the whole concept of, of, of the, the strike was lazy. It's not my favorite strike and I really hope Bungie goes back and reevaluates the strike makes changes. I think it was a little weak.
1: It's it's almost it doesn't feel like the other Destiny 2 strikes like mm. all the other strikes in Destiny 2 feel really well and this one feels more like some of the Destiny 1 strikes that we didn't like that much and, right. it's almost like this one was designed before they figured out what they were going to do with strikes which could have been the last one you never know but you're right. With the final room, it's the Shanks are weird. They really don't serve any purpose other than eating your ammo.
0: Yeah.
2: And they eat a lot um, of that, it.
1: Yeah, yeah, they do. The, the, they need to fix
0: the ammo economy, uh, because it's almost getting to the point where it's like Crota all over again. Mm. Um, especially in that final room. And I know people are like, oh, I've beaten this, I've done it on prestige, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Speaking of prestige, there's a bug in prestige. Where once you complete the the ghost defense section, the arc beams of light don't spawn at all. And then you have to go back to orbit. And it's already mentioned in the TWAB. It's an actual bug. They're going to be addressing it in the patch that's coming out on Tuesday. But by that time, this Nightfall is done. And you've missed out on your prestige. And
1: hopefully it doesn't come back for a while.
0: I hope it it never comes back. Unless they fix the strike. I, I Again, this strike is lazy and I want them to go back and fix it. Anyway, um yeah, I think we're we're unanimous. It's it's not our favorite strike. And as a nightfall, I don't mind challenges, but I don't mind when it's kind of stupid.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um segueing a little, because you mentioned it, I'd like to briefly touch on it. The ammo economy is mm-hmm. really messed up right now. Um. Honestly, it's the first time I've ever found myself in Destiny one or two, like consistently running out of both primary and secondary ammo. And it's not like Destiny one, where our secondary ammo was a sniper or a shotgun or something like that, where you could run out of ammo pretty quick. This, I'm talking like if I'm running a scout and a uh, auto rifle or a scout or a and a hand cannon or something like that, I will run out of both of them. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make sense to me how that's happening. Like, how is nothing dropping? Um, the ammo i need it almost feels like juggler is on at all yep. times i was just about to say that it's it's really not even working because juggler seems to boost up the amount you get of your other type of weapons and it it just feels like juggler but with normal ammo drop rates or something i don't know it's weird yeah and
0: this is really important for the callus fight I'm kind of jumping ahead but in the callus fight you you need to have ammo and when you're shooting these enemies and nothing drops and you're just constantly like I have nothing to use against these scions. You're just like, oh, like, how do I do this fight? It, it becomes frustrating. It really does. And, and it's unfortunate, but you do what you can. But I, I don't think that I think that if you're shooting something like and kill several things, you should be able to get at least a block or two of ammo for energy and, and kinetic, especially now that kinetic or I'm sorry, energy is being treated like primary i i I don't i don't enjoy i don't enjoy how they're doing it the, the the ammo economy i understand power to an extent but i'm getting a bunch of power i'm barely getting primary i'm barely getting energy
1: yeah i feel like my power ammo because of the way they've guaranteed power drops from um yellow barred enemies so mm-hmm. or at least they said it was a guarantee it doesn't always feel like it's a guarantee but they said it's it was always. a guarantee um I feel like I am consistently getting heavy and they put things into fights, especially in the raid to guarantee that you have these yellow bar enemies that aren't that hard to burn down, especially like the Scions in the raids. Like there are points where Scions don't even matter, but you can kill them to get heavy and it makes me get heavy, but still no other ammo. So you're right, right. I'll end up with these situations where I have a full, full set of heavy, but my primary and energy are either gone or super, super low
0: and i'm i'm even running into the situation every so often in pvp. I'm like, what? It's like, what? I thought you wanted more gunplay and all of a sudden i can't shoot my gun.
2: PVP? Yes. Wow. I haven't had I that know. problem in PVP. PvE I definitely have. Same thing you guys are saying. Feels like jugglers on and mm-hmm. i run out of Sounds
1: like you need to get good and stay alive more. <laughs> what? Anyway, <laughs> no,
2: get, no, 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 that's it, not. I cut him That's that's totally not it. That's <laughs> it was a joke. As a joke. No, no, go on. 100% juggling, juggling, I'm not talk. joking. I'm I'm not joking. <laughs> I am joking, but yeah, no, it's it's. I don't get it. Like we used to never run out of primary in Destiny One, Destiny Two, uh, Kinetic. I'm like, yeah, I, it feels like I've I have to. You have to be really crafty about how you go back and forth with your ammo nowadays. Um, I don't know. Yeah, they t- said they fixed this. By the way, let's not
0: forget. t scaring me.
2: Anyway, you let's go seen ahead and talk about anything yet.
0: No, not yet. I <laughs> anyway, let's go ahead and
2: talk. Let's talk okay. about the
0: raid. Let's go ahead and talk about the raid now that we had a full week. Well, plus by this time to kind of digest it a, a little bit. It's fun, man. It's fun. It's a fun raid, um, even though there's, there, there's some weirdness to it. So let's go ahead and talk about it uh, section by section. Um, the one cool thing is it rotates. The first uh, room that you go into might not be the same one that you had last week. And I think that's a very, very good design for something that's kind of like an advanced form of the arena, where you go to the central area and you go to different rooms to finally meet the boss. Uh, I think the raid is well done. It looks beautiful, gorgeous. The music's fantastic. It's huge. Um, it's huge. Uh, the, the treasures that you go find, that it's m- hilarious because you, you realize how big this place is. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody told me um, from Bungie that this raid was about twice the size of the actual dreadnought. And it, it absolutely wouldn't because it's absolutely gigantic the entire center area of the labyrinth within the dread um sorry not the dread not the leviathan is about as big as certain maps on destiny 1
1: you it's, can you it, can literally spend hours exploring the labyrinth to find these chests and new areas in it and all the different rooms and it. it's super awesome that they took the time to put basically a patrol area into the raid mhm yeah
0: it's absolutely fantastic and i think that they they did an amazing job with the raid um but Again, as we mentioned last week, uh, even though it's easier for most people now, now that we have had some time, I still don't fully enjoy pleasure gardens from a concept perspective because, again, I don't mind difficulty, but when things behave weirdly because of not your fault, I don't appreciate that. I agree. Case Case in point. The way dogs react is still very weird to me. They're more predictable now because we've had experience with them. But if I do a specific thing and they don't react at all when they're, for example, there's enemies that pop up when you're actually doing the encounter for where you're sneaking around um, called beast handlers. A beast handler will drop down and they'll shoot at the, the people who are trying to get the empowerment. But what happens if this beast handler is right next to the the beast that you have to watch out for. Many times I've killed a beast handler and the beast is staring right at it and the dog's just like, mm, I'm cool. Yeah, doesn't care. <laughs> oh, I don't care. But then you kill a beast handler when he's on the balcony and all of a sudden he flips out his, and goes crazy. It's like you, there needs to be some consistency there. Like, are you going to react when I kill somebody right next to you? Or are you going to react because of a jump or a run? Like, how are you reacting? Because the programming isn't all there. I don't, again, I don't, if, if everything was more um, consistent, seems to be a running theme on this show, if, if things were consistent with regards to the way enemies react, I'd be okay. They're not consistent in, in Pleasure Gardens. All the other rooms, for the most part, even the boss fight, I understand. But pleasure gardens, it's from a term of consistency, strikes the wrong nerve for me.
1: I think there there is some problem with consistency throughout the entire raid at times. And it's kind of buggy. And we can talk I'll I'll mention more of that when we get to the actual encounters where I've seen it. But with pleasure gardens, the thing is like pleasure gardens went from being the most frustrating encounter to I think now the easiest encounter. And it's the easiest to me because I now know where all the dogs are. I know how they move, and I can literally tell you, okay, stick on my butt, we're going to run, and you're going to follow my exact path. I'm sorry, what'd you say there? Oh yeah, you stick to my butt, you heard me. You said stick
0: on my butt. Whatever.
1: Uh, They're they're going to follow my exact path, we're going to run at full speed, and we're going to get five flowers for a full stack in about 30 seconds flat. Mm. And we can do it every single time. That makes it super easy. Yes, there's inconsistencies with the dogs, and that's there's been like one time, I think, where it's it's thrown us off because the dog has just decided to do something silly that isn't its actual pattern. But because these dogs have set patterns that they follow at all times and they start at the exact same time, and the dogs travel in sync with each other in the same way at all times, it's made gardens really easy. Now that'll probably change when we get to the prestige mode and we, we assume are getting more dogs. That'll just be a pain in the butt because you no longer, basically the secret to pleasure gardens is the middle. The middle is nothing. You can literally run around, jump around, do whatever in the middle because there's no dogs there, which is how you can make it from place to place so fast. You just go back to the middle, go to your next flower, go back to the middle, go to your next flower. But the inconsistencies do throw it off. I think it is my least favorite encounter out of the four encounters in the raid inconsistent or not. It just was the most frustrating at first. Now it's literally the easiest and yeah, it's, I I enjoy doing it, but at the same time, it's just kind of like a brush aside encounter to me. Yeah. I feel like it's
2: gotten more consistent and it's not just with familiarity of the encounter. It's also probably due to the fact that there's not, a ton of people playing the raid at once anymore. It, I'm sure it's died down a little bit. A lot of people tried it when it launched. I think now the uh, population within the raid is spreading out, so the encounter's stabilizing a little bit. I think that's part of it as well. There's still some glitches with the dogs, but they're manageable. I've, we've had dogs like stay in the room. We've had dogs not leave the room like when the door opens or like they go back into the room for some reason and like disappear. You know, something like some weird shit like that's happened but other than that it hasn't been too bad but yeah like david said you know now um you know we, a couple of us have learned the pathways which essentially is basically go through the middle uh to get to from flower to flower during the encounter and it's been fairly easy to get multiple stacks up to five get that full 60 count for damage buff and one phase of those dogs boom done five minutes so yeah but uh i
0: I, I don't mind the the fact that we that we're able to get five stacks. My whole beef is that we're getting five stacks because we don't want to deal with these dogs anymore because of of how weird they are. Like I I think if there was more consistency to that, most most teams would now try to go for two stacks. Obviously, you but, would have but those. Why?
1: five stacks is so easy, and you can just wipe them in one round. Yeah, and that's part of my problem with it is you can literally you have this mechanic that has become so easy whether they're inconsistent or not, it just makes the encounter almost pointless because you five stack in a matter of a minute or two, and then you all can just wipe your dog in one round.
0: Right. So I, I just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. The fact that again, going back, it the inconsistency bothers me so much that I want to be able to kill the dog immediately. So I'm I'm in agreement with you. And in many cases, I would be in completely agreement with you. We want to do this as quickly as possible to get to move on to the next round. But for most people, why do we want to do it? It's because we've had negative memories of the smallest thing acting up that causes us to not want to be there. And when you don't want to do an encounter, like you mentioned, it's your least favorite encounter. You don't have that same feeling with regards to um, the baths. Even though baths was a hard thing for us at first. Like as as quickly as we want to as we want to get it done, we don't we don't have a problem if we have to do let's say a second round or a third go-around on baths. Then if we were to do dogs or pleasure gardens, we would have a significant problem with or we would not feel as good if we had to do a third round or a fourth round.
1: I mean, yes, but at the same time, I guess I guess my thing is just dogs like has become too easy, too fast to me. Yeah. Like A raid will always become easy if you're doing it enough. It will always become easy to you, to your team. A good team, you'll be. It'll be easy. You'll be able to start speed running it. But I think it's gotten too easy too fast because when we say the dogs are inconsistent, and they do some really weird things. They'll spot people on top of the rocks. They won't leave where they're supposed to leave from. So people who are picking up their spores get seen. Mm. They are consistent in the way that they travel. And they're consistent with each other at the start of every round to the point where you just run from flower to flower, to flower, to flower, get your five stacks, you're done. And on one hand, that's how it should be. They could, they should have consistent paths that we can learn that we can then go through and do it. I just don't like that. It became so easy, so fast that it's just kind of like a brush off to me now. Like we spend more time doing a single, um, middle courtyard phase than we do in gardens now which is weird because gardens is supposed to be one of the main encounters. And I understand why it was made how it was. But like I said, it's just, it's weird that it became so easy so fast. I don't know. It's hard for me to explain, but that's the way I feel.
2: No, I actually completely agree. And you said exactly what I was going to say. So I'll just echo it briefly. Um, the difficulty gap be- from be- the difficulty gap with that encounter from the first few days to now is very, very large, meaning that it was, it seemed really, really difficult at first. And now it's so easy um, because we've taken the time to learn it. Let's put that out there. Um, Yeah. It feels like we lost an encounter almost.
1: Yeah. Like even in the other ones, like the easiest encounter in king's fall to learn and go through was probably war priest once you learned it it was pretty dang easy but going back to it no matter how easy it was it never felt like you lost an encounter this one really does like you said feels like you lost an encounter
2: yep
0: so yeah um moving on because because we're running a little uh late that first topic really took us uh took a big chunk right there um let's go ahead and discuss our feelings with regards to the raid now that we've well most of us have beaten it um and looking back at this raid even though it's f- fully enjoyable there's a lot of good things At the same time I'm a, little, I'm a little disappointed and what i mean by that is this it feels like the entire raid is a rehash of things that we've done uh the first encounter where, you, where you're opening the doors is basically a larger version of um getting the relic from the portals in vault of glass in in the uh the gatekeepers it's that's what what it basically is you can do two man and then four people defend same thing here it's just on on a a different scale dogs is basically the heart uh the gorgons from vault of glass mixed with golgoroth and the empowering method where you have to get a buff up to do damage uh, bathers is a larger version of the totems from King's Fall. Uh, what's I'm missing? An encounter uh, the, gaunt, the gauntlet is the most unique one because even though we've done a similar thing in King's Fall right at the beginning to open up the main area to King's Fall, um, they introduce obstacles, made, basically made it like American Ninja Warrior on acid. <laughs> And then the actual final boss himself, Callus, is a slightly modified version of Atheon. Every single encounter here doesn't feel something like, like it's something different than what we've done before. Whereas, let's take, for example, Wrath of the Machine. That encounter, both encounters, Vosik and Axis, feel, that felt really different. They, they didn't feel like anything that we've done before. Um this time it feels like modified things of King's Fall and Vault of Glass mashed together.
1: Yeah, I, I agree and I think part of the problem is um this is now our fourth fourth bungee raid. Fifth, Fifth bungee raid. Yeah. And Vault of um, Glass King's Vault, Fall Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Fifth bungee raid and um they have a formula in all of their raids. Their their formula is um add face do something to get rid of a shield. Or get a buff do damage to boss repeat it's as simple as that and it it only very even in things like totems and um bathers it's the same thing you have an ad phase you're doing something to make it so that you can shoot something in this case it's not a boss it's purple lanterns then you go and shoot the thing then you repeat and this formula is good and they mix up how you do it every time but we, we are starting to feel that it is the same thing over and over. And they need to do something new. And that's where I think they really succeeded, in my opinion, with Gauntlet. Gauntlet, to me, feels like no other encounter we've done. Yes, you can say it's similar to picking up relics from past encounter, uh, like raid encounters. But to me, it's something new. Everybody has to be on their own um, area to shoot at the things that another person is running through to have give info to the outside. And it is the first time, and we we see this happen again in Callus. But it's the first time prior to this in any raid that we actually see you shooting at something that isn't what's being called out. You could call out in the opposite way, but it's the first time where the person who's running with this relic sees something in the middle, and you're not activating something in the middle. You're activating the other two. So it's kind of a, a backwards flip on what we usually see in bungee raids. But I don't mm. know. I just think the gauntlet to me is the most innovative part of the raid, and I really liked it.
2: Yeah, I agree That's that's probably the most fun I'm having in the raid now, first week of the raid, I was experiencing it and I was like, this, this raid is amazing. It's super fun. It still is um, disappointed in the uh, in the lack of difficulty. Once you get the hang of it, though, um, seems like the gauntlet is turned into like the one fun part, honestly. Yeah, the gauntlet, the
1: gauntlet is the most fun. I think,
2: yeah, it's it's
0: like I've like I said before, it's American Ninja Warrior meets Price is Right. That's basically what it is. Come on down. It's true. All right. You get teleported. Hooray.
1: (laughs) And it's and it's the only it's the only encounter. um, I mean, I guess totems didn't really have. Something to shoot at, but it's it's the first encounter where there isn't really something to shoot at. Like you have ads and you have a, a major that spawns which is what totem had basically, but there's no main thing you're trying to damage. There's no, the dogs are main thing you're trying to damage. The purple lanterns are something you're trying to damage in gauntlet. It's literally just, can you work as a team and get your person to collect all these orbs to power up the middle so that you can then uh, move on. And the final phase where like you all get teleported in and it's Mario Kart style start is pretty fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, for old school gamers. I, I kind of want the announcer from smash TV going on there. Good luck. You're going to need it <laughs> right yeah. before you he
1: get teleport right in. And some like. p- some people in chat are talking about if um, this raids harder for new players because of all the different mechanics put together. And I personally, I don't know how you two feel. You can talk about it in a second. I personally don't think it's any harder than King's Fall because in the same way that King's Fall was, it's one of those raids where um, it's all about mechanics So it's not like Wrath of the Machine was a lot about mechanics, but it was a it was a hard raid if you weren't good at staying alive, especially in Axis. And um, with this machine, with this, not this machine, this raid, uh, once you learn the mechanics and you take the time to teach people the mechanics, practice the the mechanics and go for it, you will succeed at all times because it is it is 95 percent based on mechanics so it's not necessarily harder for newer players as long as someone is willing to take the time to explain the mechanics to them if you can listen and think through something you will be able to succeed in this raid yeah you know
2: and just to jump on the topic here uh that chat brought up the layering of the mechanics is a little more unique in this raid which is nice so you do have to work on communication and team uh and teamwork a little bit more we've seen it in past raids but this raid is like instead of dealing with bosses constantly and the bungee formula you're really less focused on that because that's generally the same you're more focused on how you're communicating um and working together which i do like about this raid and one of the reasons why despite the shortcomings what two weeks in or almost two weeks or something uh, i still feel that this is one of the best raids they put together It's it's still fun. I the more comfortable we get with it. I I think I'm in a phase now where it's like I'm sort of disappointed. I expect I'm not hitting the expectations I had, but I think as I roll forward in the next week or two, I'll start to I'll start to enjoy it more as I get used to it. Because the thing I like is actually teaching it. I'm starting to experience that already and finding I, I do enjoy that. And I enjoy teaching this raid a lot more than past raids.
0: Right. All right. So real quick, um, Final thoughts, um, I'll start off. I think the raid is great. Um, I don't think it's innovative enough, and I think it needs an additional encounter. Um, the fact that you only had three main encounters and then the the boss fight, I think was... What, looking back on it now, I don't think it was enough. Personally, I, I think it would have been cool if using some of those tunnels from within the Leviathan for part of the raid... For example a section where you have a nemesis like creature from resident evil who's walking slowly and chasing you and can do an insane amount of damage and your your goal is to run from place to place get an empowerment do damage just stagger them moving on to the next section but i, I don't think it's an absolute terrible raid i just think that for me anyway it's m- kind of middle of the pack
1: Okay. I personally think it's one of the better ones. Um, I think it is innovative. I I understand why some people think it isn't because it uses the bungee formula, but I think they changed up the way that they used it enough to make it um, a new, innovative, fresh, fun raid. Um, I think it's long enough, especially because of the fact that you're really supposed to go back and do the middle encounter over and over and over again, which adds a lot. You don't have to. You can go through the tunnels, which for more experienced players who don't want to do that middle encounter over and over again, like I understand using that, the tunnels are cool to experience. It's it's huge. It's way bigger than any other raid setting we've ever had because one, it's all on its own. It's not like the dreadnought where you're coming from patrol or same with Vault of Glass or um Crota's end or anything. It is just its own ship, its own thing, and the labyrinth is just huge and awesome to explore, which I love. Um I just think it, it was really good and um the only thing I think they could have added if they did add something was a giant tank. That would have been a fun boss. Because cabal have tanks. A tank you can drive. I meant fight, but sure. No I want to drive them.
2: What about you, Jordan? Uh it's better than middle. It's better than middle of the pack. Volta Glass is still my favorite. I just I don't know. Maybe it's because it holds a place in my heart. Uh, it was the first raid we did, and it was just it, it was always my favorite in Destiny one. That's probably still my favorite overall. The Vex are cool. The Vex. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, I'd say it's number two for me. But yeah. I know Jorge is probably putting it uh, behind King's Fall.
0: Um, My order so far is Vault of Glass, Wrath of the Machine, Leviathan, King's Fall, Proto's End.
1: Damn. Okay, that's That's, surprising to me. It's basically my order, except I think Leviathan and Wrath of the Machine are tied for me.
0: Cool. All right. So with that, I kind of want to talk to you guys about Ripped Apparel. Are you like me and love video games and nerd culture? Well, I got the place just for you. Ripped Apparel is your destination for t-shirts, crew neck sweatshirts, tank tops, and accessories to help deck you out in the items you love and care about. And right now, if you use the coupon code INORBITPODCAST, you get 10% off your order. The website is www.rippedapparel.com. And make sure to use the coupon code INORBITPODCAST, all one word, at
1: checkout to get 10% off your order. So, David, why don't you go ahead and talk about Mashos Buttons? Well, Mash Those Buttons is your ultimate resource for, de- for video game commentary, reaction, and involvement by a variety of opinionated and informed gamers who love gaming of all kinds. Covering a large swath of gaming, we cover the latest news and information on the games you care about and always provide unfiltered commentary and fun. Check out all the killer podcasts available today right on the Mash Buttons website at www.mashosbuttons.com. All right, and with
0: that, let's go ahead and talk about the other big post uh, content, whatever you want to call it—the the, the trials of the nine. Let's just go. Trials,
1: ahead. yay! Trials, yeah! Trials is back,
0: and it's 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 kind of like uh, X Files. The theme, anyway. X Files meets Destiny. That's basically what the theme is for Trials of the Nine. X
1: File meets Destiny meets Mita Multi Tool.
0: Oh God! All right, so David, <laughs> it's I'm gonna starting. pass the Arrange- reins. I'm going to go ahead and pass the reins over to you. Let's go ahead and jump into trials talk.
1: Well, trials is fun, dude. Um, I really like the 4v4. um, The way it plays, the map was awesome. The new competitive game modes are fun. And this past week, it was Countdown on Eternity. And it's Countdown on Eternity again, huh? Deja vu. Mm. But um, it was fun. It plays really well as 4v4. It it really encourages teamwork and team shooting, which is awesome for a team-based game mode. I think it it feels better to me than Trials ever really did in Destiny 1. The only thing that people are complaining about is minor multi-tool. And that's because this map really leans towards scout rifles. And here's a scout rifle that everybody's familiar with. It's easily acceptable. It's going to be high light. where it's, Even though light doesn't matter, people still want to use their highest light things. And it's got high caliber rounds. If you look at the guns that were used the most this week in... Trials, there's two guns. Mida Motley Tool and Uriel's Gift. And they both have high caliber rounds. Because when it comes to PvP, high caliber rounds are fantastic. And it's why Mida got nerfed and removed high caliber rounds in Destiny 1. Hopefully it doesn't happen again, but it might. Because high caliber rounds do damage in PvP. And I think that's the main reason why we saw those two guns being used the most. So you know what my opinion is with regards to Mida? I...
0: I personally don't think that the gun is unfair. And I know that's a tough thing to sell to people, especially when per the stats, it was used in 98% of the matches in Trials of Osiris. At least one person was using uh, Mita multi-tool. The reason I say that is because from a a pure stats perspective, it's pretty... It's a jack of all trades, a master of none. Yes, it has... uh, Third eye, but there's other guns that use third eye. Or other perks or wep- uh, helmets that you can get third eye on, everything. Um, it has high caliber rounds. There's other guns that have high caliber rounds. So, what I think is happening with Might Multi-Tool is twofold. Number one, the quest to get it is rather simple. You get scout rifles, if you can get them to drop, blues or purples, sacrifice them, to get the schematics to give to the to the gunsmith the second thing going on with H- MITA multi-tool that doesn't affect other exotics is that you can use it in literally every situation and i'm not ta- just talking about pvp you can use it on pve you can use it in, in patrol it's effective in absolutely every situation it's not the absolute best gun to use in every situation but you can use it in absolutely every situation, which is what makes it very, very comfortable to use. Once you get comfortable to something, then that's when you're like, do I really want to switch to a legendary scout rifle? So once you get comfortable with something, especially something that was brought back that you've already been playing around for three years before, that's when people start getting they fall back to the to the what is consistent. Um, Trials of Os- Osiris was famous for sniper rifles in this game because sniper rifle ammo isn't as easy to get. Nah, snipers just suck. <laughs> or whatever. But because <laughs> sniper rifle ammo isn't as accessible, now you have a situation where you want long-range weapons. So it doesn't surprise me that Mida Multi-Tool is there. You can use it to get in, get quick kills mid uh Close, mid, and, and long ranges. You can run, uh, run quick when you have low life. There's a, a bunch of things that Mada Multi gives you. How do you nerf the gun without killing it? That's a tough proposition. Um, I've, I've always been of the, uh, on, on the show where I've said I don't think that they play around with that range sh- statistic enough, and I think that at this point, what they need to do with Mada Multi Tool to so that they don't nerf all scout rifles is reduce the range and reduce the effectiveness of high caliber rounds at range. I think that the, the the perk is fine for mid-range. But once you get to a longer range, I think that all the other perks on top of that start start making that gun a little overpowered.
1: So uh, I, don't say that word. No. Ida is not overpowered. I don't think it's no. overpowered. I don't
2: think it needs... I honestly don't think it needs a whole lot of work. I think they just need to introduce weapons that are capable of sort of going toe to toe with it at those distances where it's you know being used the most you know up close it's not the best weapon by far you know Uriel's gift it's or actually pretty bad side- yeah it's really bad. So, like, the problem is, and I'm not, I, this is going to sound, I don't, maybe elitist or something like that, and I'm not the best PvP player out there, but I've learned a lot, and I've improved a lot. The problem is, I think people are playing Destiny 2 Crucible, like Destiny 1 Crucible, mm-hmm. but it's not Destiny 1 Crucible, it's Destiny 2 Crucible. They're going it doesn't in, even
1: work the same.
2: No, it doesn't work the same. You have... People coming to engagements with pulse rifles and other weapons at distances where Mida is best and they're at a disadvantage and then complaining because they get killed by Mida. And like, duh, it's like, it's, it's a different type of game. The smarter players, the more experienced crucible players are using Mida. They're keeping a distance. They're choosing their engagements. They're smart at disengaging so they don't get team shot, which is one of my big, my biggest gripe is a team shooting. And that's why Mida is being used so much, because all of like in trials, that's the more typically the more experienced players that want to go do trials. And all the experienced players are going to Mida because it fits the Destiny 2 Crucible. I don't want to say meta, or but, you know, the, the play style. It, we'll just, play it. just does.
0: I think the playoff for PvP is very heavily influenced or heavily affected by scout rifles. Almost yeah. every single and scout rifle is, the scout is rifle. super effective. Yeah. That's because it, it, th- yes, we're playing on a long is.
1: distance map. So you're gonna see scout rifles. Yeah. And and Mita is the scout rifle you're gonna see because we're familiar with it. That's the main reason people are using it, because we're familiar with it. Everybody knows how to use Mita. Everybody knows how to four or five tap people to head. I think it's five tap now to the head. I think they inched it. Because it only does 44 damage. So I think it's a 5 tap to the head unless someone has lowest um, lowest uh, resilience. But it used to be a 4 tap to the head. But still, it's it's not the best PvP gun. It's really not. I, when I played my flawless tickets, I played with the end, the Trials Scout Rifle. Mm. Um, because it was a really good Scout Rifle. And I didn't have my to, at all when I was playing Trials until like the last two days when I was just playing with other people. when I was done and it's, it's, it's not the best, but it's what people are familiar with. So they're going to use it. It's not even the best at the longest range. There are scout rifles that are better because they have higher impact and can still shoot pretty fast. People just are familiar with Mida. They're going to use Mida. It's got good perks. It's got third eye, which everybody loves because they nerfed radar. You want to take away from Mida a little bit, undo your nerf of coming out of radar. And it takes away one of Mida's biggest things. People are having a lot of trouble adjusting to coming out of scope in and having to wait a little bit to see their radar again. It it makes it so you can make plays on people, sneak up on them a lot easier when they're holding down lanes. Change that, it's going to bring out Mita. There's a lot they can do to stop Mita from being good, and it doesn't need to be nerfed because it's not OP. If you nerf it, it's just going to suck because it's just an average gun right now that people are using because they're familiar with it. I do not say average. I'd say it's a very balanced gun. Average. Which, to me, average means balanced. That's what I'm referring to.
0: Okay. All right. So with that, let's go ahead and talk about um, Crucible itself. I know I know you have a big topic you want to get to, David.
1: Yeah. Well, so Crucible, they changed it. Um, we now basically just have two playlists, the quick play playlist and the competitive playlist. The big difference being the game modes you're gonna get, because there's not like all separate game mode lists for you to choose from. There's just one playlist which has um control, clash, and um supremacy. And then the other one has survival and countdown. And the big problem that's coming from these playlists is people want to pick their own game mode. So they're leaving the game when the game mode they don't want. Where the game mode they don't want doesn't or they want doesn't come up, they leave the game. That's what I was trying to say. Okay, on quick play, that's not a big deal because it will fill people in. On competitive, it won't. So you're it'll seeing it'll kill a, the game. Yeah, it does. It kills the game. You're seeing a big problem in competitive because five seconds into a game, it's four v three. Well, then someone gets upset because they're down a man, so now it's four v two. So now <laughs> you either have to stick it out, getting your butt kicked, most likely, or you leave the game and you don't get rewards you waste your time basically it's causing problems the other problem with that is there's no incentive to actually make competitive competitive so people leave the game like they don't care you need to i think personally you need to punish people somehow for leaving in competitive but if there's a ranking system people are going to be more apt to not leave because it's going to hurt their ratings and people care about how they look to other people in the world I don't know. It's just there's there's a weird problem. You guys can discuss how, how you feel on this in particular, but I think it's the biggest problem we're currently seeing in Crucible.
0: Um, I mean, I I think that, as I mentioned last week, I think that they kind of need to go back to the rotating. Pl- oh, actually, I didn't mention this on the show. I mentioned this on Cartridge Blast Gamers. Um, They need to introduce the rotating playlist that they had in um at the end of, uh, what is the Age of Triumph? where one week we'll have these specific games let's say three game modes two of them quick play one of them competitive and then the next week they 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 have the other ones because at this at this point when when you have people leaving so many people leaving because there's not enough direct options you have gamers that are going to be upset and there's a lot of people who are upset they 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 do let's say they want to play control or they want to play supremacy or and they want to play countdown whatever the case may be they can't select that specific game mode and then you run into people like oh not the game mode i want i'm leaving and they'll keep doing that without any penalty another thing you can do is also introduce that a system like that if you
1: play and you quit you lose
0: rewards for five matches
1: or a timeout so the halo bands that was brought up in chat is a good one it's basically if yeah. you leave you're timed out from joining for a certain period of time. If you leave again, you're timed out for even longer. You leave again, well, now you're timed out for an extended period of time, which I'd be okay with that. Especially in, and you can do that in just competitive even. In quick play, yeah, you can drop it whenever you want. Whatever, it's quick play. But in you competitive, gotta- it, the problem is they have this playlist called competitive, but nothing makes it competitive other than they say the matchmaking is more skill-based. You got to be careful with that because we've already seen
0: an, a semi-effect of that. And what I mean by that is in Trials of Osiris, if you get booted out because of a network issue, you get a loss in your card. And that's insanely frustrating to somebody who's gone, let's say, 8-0. All of a sudden, they got booted because of network issues. They can't six get no. back in.
2: 6-0 oh now.
0: I had it I had
1: it happen to me when I was 8-0. Oh. You can't be 8-0. Oh.
2: Yeah, it's 7 wins now.
1: Come on, man.
0: As, I'm not talking. I'm talking about year one. Oh. oh okay.
1: Yeah, no no, I agree. That was a problem, but you can you can change that. You can make it so that the game can register if you have a network error, or if you turned off your PlayStation, or you had something happen where you hold down triangle to leave the game. But yeah. People will find a way to manipulate that then. They probably will, but then they're taking time to do that, like the effort to do that. I mean I don't know. It's it's frustrating. It's frustrating to go in and play, and to have the whole game messed up because people left. At this point, competitive isn't isn't even competitive enough. Competitive enough, I think, to justify that they're not bringing people in in the middle of matches. Right. Like just hmm. bring people in in the middle of matches. If people care about their stats, make it like Call of Duty does. In Call of Duty, if you join a match and it's started at all. You don't get credit if your team loses. You don't get counted with a loss. If mm-hmm. if people care about their stats, then make it like that. Make it so if you join in competitive and you lose, it, it doesn't credit you with a loss. But you can't even like watch and track win-loss in Destiny in-game. You have to go out of game. So I don't know why people care about it that much. To me, I mm-hmm. think if they're going to keep up this separation... They need to make competitive actually competitive. Bring in a ranking system like we've talked about in the past, like a lot of the community has talked about in the past. Even a simple ranking system is fine. Have it be like, oh, uh, bronze three, two, and one, silver three, two, and one, gold three, two, and one, platinum three, two, and one, and just have you rank up based on how you win and lose in those systems. Make it like Halo. Give yourself a different level for PvP. And if you win, your level can go up. If you lose, your level will go down something like that something not this not only kind of solves the quick flavors competitive differences which aren't there but it gives people who love pvp more of a more of something to grind for in pvp they're not just playing pointlessly for no reason and no rewards because in pvp at this point you really don't care about your rewards there isn't even a power matters playlist as far as we know in pvp but Mm -hmm. if you give them a level a rank, people care about that. They'll they'll fight for that. They'll grind for that.
0: All right. So I want to get to the next section because we're running really really behind. Um, let's go ahead and talk to the audience themselves from with messages from the reef. So messages from the reef is your section. You give the topics. You give the questions. We answer them here. We discuss them here. Um, we got a couple questions in chat. And we got a couple questions outside of chat, so let's go ahead and jump into it. First question comes from Scott Layton. Do you think Bungie missed a trick, or... Yeah, I guess we'll go with that. Missed a trick by revealing Xur's location on the map.
1: Yes. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: And why? Well, to me, it's the same thing that happened with Lost Sectors. Like, they're lost, but they're not, because they're on your map. That takes away from half the fun of lost actors in my mind. And like everybody leading up to Zer's first appearance, everyone's like, Oh man, Zer videos are going to be intense. Now who can find him first? Like it's going to be a big thing on Reddit. Cause it may take us hours. Like maybe you do narrow it down. You put him where the flashpoint is like what they're doing. But I don't know if, if he's not shown on the map and you have to search an entire planet for him, that could be pretty fun. It's a giant scavenger hunt. Yeah. I I don't understand why they, put a barker on there. It's like,
2: this, this is like, no different. It's actually, it's easier to find them
0: now. <laughs> mm. All right. The next section, uh question comes from Carmine melee with cartridge blast gamers, raid and trials rewards for all clan members. Yay or nay. And why? And I kind of wanted to talk about this earlier. The way the system works works is if half of the fire team is in your clan and you've completed the raid or the let's see the raid the nightfall um pvp and trials then your group gets a reward it could be the raid auto rifle it could be trials of osiris scout rifle whatever it is an actual drop from that now if you're doing the raid or trials the weapons drop with a power of 10 so it's not anything great but this is actual raid reward you can infuse it with something else to make it basically what you would have gotten in the raid
2: so what are your guys thoughts on that system i don't mind it um at first i was a little skeptical of it um yeah i I, it's not that i don't want my clanmates to benefit from the work that i do or other people do in the clan you know there may be people that play a lot but maybe don't don't have the time to like do a raid. So they'll get like you know the taste of the raid by getting like uh an engram. Um I was a little skeptical of it not because of that, but mostly because there's people out there that may join clans just to get those rewards and won't really do the work for them or or aren't willing or um never plan on doing it. I don't I didn't want that. But they're getting Mm -hmm. um rewards with the power level of 10. So yeah they have it but they have to spend something for it. You only get one and it's uh, it's it's not the same as raiding. It's you get a lot more out of actually doing the raid. So I think in the end this is actually pretty neat for players that um both that do the raid and also that uh that may not just simply have the time but still contribute through like XP, maybe you can get a nightfall in or something like that. So I'm I'm okay with it. I'll say that.
1: So I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum. Um, I will first say that I think the way they should have done it is have um, clan rewards, reward specific weapons or armor that are clan based. So like a special clan armor set that then the colors are based on your clan banner or something. Um, A special clan shader that your clan sets their shader and then you can earn the shader through these rewards. A special clan emblem that has your banner on it. Um, Special clan style weapons that are specific to clan rewards. That's what I think clan rewards should have been. I hate that the clan rewards give you trial stuff and raid stuff. And the reason I hate that is because these are in-game activities that you're supposed to be doing at end game. Not get these rewards because your clan did it even though you're level 19. Cuz I think wait, cuz I think it's 15 you unlock clans from Hawthorne, right? Uh when
0: when Hawthorne gets
1: to the tower. And I think you can get him at level 20. Okay, so even level the 20 fly. light 200, you can get raid rewards. I hate it. Because the raid rewards, the raid armor on someone used to have this meaning where it was like, "Oh, he's done the raid." That's awesome. Now you can have someone who never goes into the raid and can, with enough luck, get a full set of raid gear. And I hate it. I hate it 100% because it takes away the prestige from the armor and in earned in in-game activities. And to me, that's just not okay. I, I think that this is something that needed to be special, should have been special, has been special, and they completely took away how special it is. I hate it. So I'm actually on both sides. I'm
0: on... Team David and Team Jordan here. So I enjoy that everybody got rewards. um, But as David mentioned, it it removed the prestige, pun I guess you could say there, um, of these armor sets. What I personally would have done is kind of taken the um, original Trials of Osiris method, where you can get the weak versions, weak so to say, um, that are non-adept, and then you have adept version of the weapons. And the adept versions you would only get it from completing the raid and let's say it has a say a different color plus another perk um, uh, reload's a big huge thing in the raid it would be cool if there is a quick reload perk on the gun that would be it's a way to make it powerful but not overpowered whereas if you get it from hawthorne you you get you don't get the special reload perk and it's a different color set I think that would have been an easy way to make To differentiate the two and make it feel more prestigious to get the, in fact, you can
1: even call it that, the
0: prestige version of the weapon.
1: But that prestige version of the weapon could come from the prestige raid. And then the regular raid loot means nothing because it's the loot people are getting, which is probably what's happening, honestly, because I don't think raid clan rewards will ever drop the hard mode loot. But it's still dumb to me because I think you need to do in-game activity to get in-game loot. It's speaking, too casual. Speaking of prestige, um, we already know that
0: there are some prestige weapons out there. For example, the hand cannon randomly dropped on somebody when they did the raid. There is a big, huge glitch in the in the Bungie servers this week where things were lasting longer than they should have and other things that were dropping that, that didn't drop. Regardless, um, yeah, I, I understand where David's coming from, but I definitely like the system, because not everybody can do the raid, um, whether it be time or skill or whatever the case, um, but I think that they should have made... In fact, I think that the weapon drops are kind of like they were in Wrath of the Machine, where you get the normal mode drops, like the normal mode auto rifle. Um, was, You get the auto rifle in normal mode, but the scout rifle in... I, I think it was the scout No, it was the the hand cannon, whatever it was, however they, they had it split up, you get specific weapons on based on the difficulty, but you can make them special with um, ornaments or whatever. And I would have just made that the raid drops prestige version of the weapons and non-prestige version of the weapons
1: come from Hawthorne. That way you balance it out and you encourage doing the activity. No, I th- I think my, last, my last comment, I don't like it simply because I think this game has gone... Too far down the road to um, being there for the casuals, and it is no longer rewarding to be a hardcore player. And I think the whole getting raid gear from Hawthorne just supports that hundred percent. And I hate it because yes, you you want to support the casual community because it's a bigger portion of your community, but there has to be something special for the hardcore players, and that was always the raid and trials, and now it's no longer special.
0: Well, so moving on to okay. Yeah, let's, let's leave it. Move, let's leave it that. Uh moving on to the next question from Kyle Klimick, would Destiny's Kimlik. story benefit Klimick, I'm sorry. <laughs> would Destiny's story benefit from a dialogue tree? Um I've always been of the opinion that I think that there needs to be a lore master in the tower and it's cool that we're getting um story in game from certain weapons, but I don't feel that the story is a sur- as strong lore wise as it was in destiny one um case in point there's only very specific weapons the exotics that have story and nothing yet of the caliber of thorn and last word
2: so um a dialogue tree would be like when you encounter an npc you get a a Mm -hmm. choice of like you know ways to answer them if they ask you a question for instance
1: yeah like most RPG games yeah I, this isn't really a pure RPG
2: I, I, I don't think I'd want to see that in here I think I like just the way I think I like the way they're doing it right now I like the path that they're going down I wouldn't want to see that a lore master though oh yeah I mentioned that several times I would love some place in the tower to go where we could kick back and watch like you know like have like updated movies Dude, Hire, hire wife <laughs> or violent <Mylan. laughs> he's actually
0: he actually mentioned on one of his videos that there's a reason why he can't do that. It'd be a conflict of interest.
1: There you go. Uh, it's, um, I personally would like dialogue trees. That's I fun. would like it just because. So we're kind of a full spectrum here, but I would like it just because. Um, then it kind of makes you feel more involved. At least to me, it would make me feel more involved in the story and. Like there's there's that thing Bungie's philosophy of we don't want to give your guy a voice because we want you to feel like you're in there and not have a voice placed over you or whatever. I think giving you a dialogue tree lets you incorporate your own voice even more. The mm. way they they the way they've written the stories it'd be very hard to put a dialogue tree in because you never have points where you're really talking to NPCs. Mm. But if they made it so you were, I think it could fit and be pretty cool. I just don't see it. Well, I want it. I don't see it necessarily fitting in the way they've designed their stories this time around.
0: And to be fair, they're kind. It's not a full to really answer the question that he asked because I I didn't really answer it. I kind of went in my own direction. <laughs> there kind of is a dialogue tree, and what I mean by that is when you do a strike, you do get di- you can get variations of the strike. For example, Savathun's song. Kind of going into the spoiler if you haven't done this, but Savathun's song. Every time you go through it, you find out more about specific things that you're doing. For example, throughout the strike, there are these purple uh, void items that that pop up. And every time you do the strike, you learn a little bit more about what these purple items are. And and then you realize, I'm killing guardians that have been harvested by the hive. Every time I kill these purple things. And that you're hearing the voices right before they turn into that purple shard.
1: Well, that's story variation. That's not like a dialogue tree refers. I, to... I know
0: what you mean. I know what you mean. It, it, like I said, it's not an actual dialogue tree. Like you're not picking, you're not making the decision, but there is a little bit of story variation that kind of, kind of uh, is based on what you're doing. It's not like ESO where if you kill this character, the quest goes in a different direction. Or if you do you select to do this, it changes the story or whatever. I, I, I completely get that. It it but there is a little bit of variation that is similar in some way, shape, or form with regards to the strikes and dialogue tree. That's what I wanted to say. Let's okay. move on to the next question. Um, which is from Blazing Bob. Why should I get into Destiny Two if I didn't play Destiny One? We'll start off with T bot.
2: Well, for starters, it's a much improved game. Uh it is the the quality of life improvements that they added into this game are almost are it almost makes it a completely different game, but it's still very Destiny. Um, why should you get into it? I think the one of the biggest detractors to players that have not played Destiny One is are is the fact that they may feel lost, but that's not the case. A lot of the elements and it's been out for a while. So and I'm not going to give major spoilers here. If there's anyone that hasn't really gone through the story and is thinking about playing destiny two for the first time um as their destiny experience uh there's a lot of hints to things that happen in destiny one and they almost play catch up to a degree during the story missions the campaign um why should you play it it's a great game it introduces uh it introduces a really great community to you as a player and um if you are willing to embrace that community and play with others, you're going to get a very uh, you're going to get an awesome experience out of it. So I think that's why you should play Destiny 2 if you haven't played Destiny 1.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's got a the Destiny 2 has a great community. It's a fun game. There's a lot to do. I mean, you said it all. And the other thing is there's no reason to not play it because you didn't play Destiny 1 because you really didn't miss that much. The story reels isn't no. really there. And any story that was there, they talk about in Destiny 2. So yeah, there's no which, reason to not play it.
2: Which is odd because supposedly your character was a guardian during Destiny 1. But anyway, that's just a nip. You were the
1: guardian during Destiny 1. I was the guardian! You were the guardian. And Duh! But it's you, it's really, it's not a big deal if you didn't play Destiny 1. You can still play that De- They purposely made it like this. You can hop in with Destiny 2 as a fresh game and you are fine.
2: Yeah. It's it's fulfilling and it's fun. I I don't hesitate to purchase it if you're looking for a game, if you if if you're craving something to sink hours into, grind away I have fun with get involved, play the campaign, find a clan and play with that clan, engage with other people cuz that's where the game really starts to and then hit milk the ground the clan and run. for rewards. Yes, milk the <laughs> for rewards. No. Get involved with your clan mates and it, it's that's where that's where Destiny shines. It's the community of Destiny is the best thing about Destiny. It's not it's not the story. It's uh, you know Bungie makes a great game. They, they know how to make a shooter. The story is pretty good in this one. they made a lot of improvements, but still the best thing about Destiny is the community. And that's why you should get involved with it. It doesn't matter when you start. Start because you're gonna you're gonna get yourself involved with one of the best communities in gaming, if not the.
0: The one thing I will say, no matter what, whether you're you're on the fence or not, ask yourself this question: Do you see yourself playing with people? uh The reason I I, I state that is this is a very social game. To really get rewarded, to really move forward, it does you no good to to go solo. Can you go solo? Yes. Um, is it in your best interest in this game? No, and this is not just PVE. This is also for PvP. Um, the, the game is heavily catered to teamwork. If you don't go, if you don't do teamwork, chances are you're not going to have as successful a time, and you're going to run into situations where it's just not as fun. All right, and with that, we want to thank everybody for participating in messages from the reef. Want to thank the chat. Right now, let's go to T Bot's Corner and mention T Bot's
2: streamer of the week. All right. So this week we have That Token Guy. He is a Destiny streamer, just like we usually introduce. You can find him at twitch.tv forward slash That Token Guy. If you're in chat watching us live, I am dropping the link in there. The link will also be in the show notes. He's also on Twitter at I believe it is. Let me check Twitter. It's at token underscore TTG. So give that guy a view. Follow him if you enjoy it. I guarantee you will. He's a fantastic streamer, chill dude. And um T bot and the in-orbit crew sent you.
0: All right. So that's that token guy. We will have his information in the show notes. Um Definitely give them a, a check up. Thank you very much for that, T-Bot. Yep. And with that, we've come to the end of this podcast. But before we do close this bad boy up, T-Bot, any final words?
2: Um, You know, the uh, the <laughs> I have a lot of final words. Um, The game's been really sinking in. So I think I'm going to save them for the next episode. But I do want to say thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you all.
0: David, any final words? Mm, Just my
1: usual final words. Uh, What are those final words, David? Oh, thanks for asking, man. Uh, My final words would be to thank everyone for listening to In Orbit (laughs) and to thank everybody who tuned in today and the stream. It was an awesome chat, super interactive. We love having you you guys here with us live every Friday at (laughs) 10 p.m. Eastern time. Um, And In Orbit is available on a ton of platforms, so please make sure you're spreading the word. The best way to do that is to simply share in orbit with others. We are on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Overcast for iOS, Downcast for iOS, Google Play Music, Stitcher Smart Radio, Player.fm, Pocket Cast, YouTube, and we have an RSS feed. Links to each are available right on the Mashable Buttons website at com. All right. Thanks, David. And let me find my place here
2: because I totally lost it. Um, As soon as I find it, make sure to stay tuned after the show to hear what's coming this week on Mash Those Buttons. Make sure to check out the other shows on the Mash Those Buttons network at mashthosebuttons.com forward slash shows to see all of our podcasts. And if you have any questions regarding scheduling, check mashthosebuttons.com forward slash schedule for scheduling details. You haven't
0: noticed this show is all about being smooth. Very, very silky smooth like Country (laughs) Crock. So make sure you check us out on twitter.com like slash mtv shit. site. Twitter.com slash inorbit Podcast, especially to send us questions. Facebook.com slash mash those buttons. YouTube.com slash mash those buttons. Search on YouTube for in-orbit for the live streams. We're gonna go ahead and upload them there. Join us on Discord at HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash discord dot gg forward slash capital f lowercase a number three capital t lowercase h e x
1: that'll be the show notes
0: that'll definitely be in the show notes you don't have to memorize that so david where can people find
1: you at you can find me on twitter at ds underscore bolt or streaming on twitch twitch twitch.tv slash ds bolt no spaces no underscores
2: and Jordan, where can people find you at? You can find me streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash imtbot and spewing nonsense on Twitter at im underscore t bot.
0: And as always, you can be find me as smooth as a bag of tacos <laughs> on all the different social network sites <laughs> and gaming platforms via my screen name, go to nrg. That's G-O, the number two NRG. Thank you again to all of us or all of you guys watching and all of you listening to this show. My prior events are not a memory. It is momentum. It advances, leads and controls, points and directs, shapes and forms. I may not enjoy everything that lies in front of me, but as in any story, the past needs resolution. We are the authors, the finishers of our fate. What is in my past is my prologue, and what is in my future is my destiny on behalf of the entire in orbit team david jordan jared myself we want to thank you as always for listening to this show and we'll see you on the next mission your destiny calls